Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams Niche nonsense Or surprisingly brilliant You decide The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now Can you do me a couple of ones in a chance for you? Fag machine takes once, don't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him thirty, right? You give him the ten bob back and you owe him, if I'm right, twenty-two pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2, Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk, search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And live from Manchester, Dave Watson. Hi, guys. Kids in bed, guys? Kids in bed? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. I have come straight to the recording of this pod directly from bath time. Uh, it's relatively smooth. Is that why your hair's in a towel? Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's go, considering it feels like none of us are um, running hot on banter here, let's go straight into football. Sorry, I should explain, I'm watching the Spurs-West Ham game whilst doing this, so I'll be in and out. Okay, all right. So this is like the Soccer Saturday version of Newcastle Nata. Yeah, I might do a Charlie Nicholas and just shout chance every now and then. <laughs> uh, what's the score? Is 
in a completely it's a thrilling nil-nil. Yeah. Yeah, what, what is the score at the moment, it's, Paul? It's nil-nil. Nil-nil. Want to give a prediction to where it's going to go, Paul? <sighs> goals. Goals, goals, goals. So, uh, speaking of goals, 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 did you watch the game on Sunday, Dave? I, I did. I uh, I loved it. Like, it was oh, it's just good to be back. Just I know the crowd noise wasn't there, and I know that um, there weren't any fans, and it's weird, but just seeing Alan St. Maxman take on three or four players was just a joy to see again. It was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, did you enjoy it, Paul? I did. I mean, it couldn't have been timed better Father's Day, so there's no excuse for us not to be allowed to watch it. And you're just thinking, don't be a disappointing game. Because a lot of the games have been disappointing and uneventful so far. And yeah, we were probably our best performance of the season. I was wondering whether I would enjoy it. What with, you know, all the negatives that come with Project Restart because I hadn't really enjoyed any of the football before the Newcastle game. But I found myself immediately invested and I found myself immediately enjoying it because it was, right from the off, a pretty good performance, right? Right from the off, we were in it, right? I think they had the best of the opening 10 minutes and you sort of thought this might be us under the cosh for a bit, but then we we did what we've struggled to do so often for the last, what, five, six years and just completely controlled a game. Even before the sending off, I would say we were the more yeah. comfortable team. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joe Linton had uh, a one-on-one that he fluffed his chance with. And it was a tough chance. Had. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it was <laughs> a one-on-one. It was no, incredibly it was easy. It wasn't, you know, one-on-one's tricky. It's not easy, but it was not. I, in our team, one-on-one with the keeper in that situation, and don't worry, we will get on to praising Joe Linton because, you know, he did score his first goal since August. But one-on-one with the keeper in that situation, is there any other outfield player in the team who you'd feel less confident with? I had no, it didn't cross my mind that he would score. I would be. I agree. Yeah, I think the only equivalent is an earlier in the season Almiron before he actually got goals. Sure. That's the sort of same level, but yeah, I think. Sure. I think I would, I would rather Debravka. <laughs> say that again? I would say I'd be more confident with Martin Debravka. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't good, and he did get a lot of pelters for it, and and rightly so. Really, you know, he's obviously trying really hard, but um, you had to worry that after the break and all the work that he's been doing, obviously on his game, you worried that he was going to go straight back to where he was, and it really was never going to work out for Joe Linton. And that may well be the case. Uh, he didn't get the first goal, but let's talk about Joe Linton's goal. I was impressed by it. I know it was a tap-in, but it looked like 
striker. Uh, what's the word? Striker. Oh, I can't think of the phrase. I'm fresh. My head is still in bath time. Striker's instinct? I don't know. I don't know. It was... Oh, I'm not the one. <laughs> I'm trying to say 101. Is that what I'm trying to say? Striker. Possibly, yeah. Well, the fact that he did something that he was definitely <laughs> not, not doing months ago, which was that he laid it off out to the wing and then immediately ran into the six-yard box, expecting... You mean striking 101? Like striking the, um, 101, yeah. 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 Um, so what was important with that one is that he, he started that whole move with, um, by challenging the defender and laying it off for, um, uh, for Richie, who then pushed on to St. Maximum, or however it, however it panned out. But then, like you say, he, instead of just thinking that that's his job done, Bustler had got to get into the box, and he had a, one of the easiest tap-ins you know, he, he's, that have fallen his way. And I think he might be one of these strikers that if he thinks too much about the chance, if he's got too much timing, he'll overthink it, he'll get up in his head, but if it's an instinctive opportunity, he'll put it away, um, or at least get it on target. Um I was impressed with his entire game, to be honest. I thought he, I thought he had a good game. Uh, yeah, he did. He's obviously got um, attributes, but it was nice for him to get a goal. And it was nice to see that he's been working on something and the coaches have been drumming, drumming something into him. And it, you saw it come into effect in the game. Because well, the Germans have... Three and three. Right. God. <laughs> With Joe Linton as November, would not have ran in six yards off. Yeah, I think he's a beneficiary as well of us switching away from five at the back to this more attacking formation. We're just so much higher up the field. We're creating a lot more chances. There's no coincidence our XG has gone up quite considerably since that change. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, I mean, he was clearly quite dodgy earlier in the season, but he was so isolated as well. He looks less on his own now. Uh, St. Maximan got the first goal uh, after a terrible fluff by the defender. But he did have... I mean, we were all salivating at his performance throughout the game, right? Yeah. He's just mentioned on Match of the Day too, where um, they said that he was he's, he's a player that just has... Doesn't look ring rusty. Just picked up exactly where he was before the break. Um, he's, he, he's adventurous with the ball. He's just got one thing on his mind: is get that ball up the pitch. And they, they showed a clip um, which I'd forgotten about until I saw it on Match of the Day, but where he received the ball um, down near our uh, corner flag beat a couple of players and then played a delicious ball through to, to Almiron um, to, to press forward. And that was one actually that, that released Joe Linton for the one-on-one that he missed. Um, but it's that kind of uh, confidence on the ball and that kind of dynamism that a team like ours absolutely needs because we don't create chances through pretty play. We need to create chances by individual moments of, of brilliance. And he's got that in spades. The ease with which he goes past players is amazing. And the way he uh, beats players on the turn, 
really reminds me of Hatem Badafa. Does it for you, Paul? Yeah, I think, weirdly, I think in St. Maximin and Almiron, if you combine those two, you've basically got Ben Arthur. Because Almiron's got that sort of explosive pace and low centre of gravity, but isn't great at dribbling past people. And St. Maximin can just dribble past anyone, seemingly. It's incredible the way he gets past people. Yeah, Almiron's got that... uh, he just plays knock and run, right? He's yeah. just confident that he can beat anyone for pace. He knocks it ahead and then he goes into that weird running posture that he's got where he throws his head back and uh, and goes for it. But, uh, yeah, if St. Maximin, if you've, you fear that he's pretty injury prone. But, you know, maybe that'll be a blessing for us because, and I'm, I'm determined not to talk too much about the takeover today, but if we were in a situation where the takeover didn't happen, you do wonder whether this summer he's the sort of player, St. Maximum, who might go to a top six yeah. club for 50 million or, or... I think the only reason he wouldn't would be because of the, the lack of transfer spending available to the bigger teams now sure and you know because of maybe fears about his injuries but it might even be worth a punt <laughs> he's i mean how old is he saint maximum 23 23 yeah he's yeah he's, he's not tough. massively injury prone either i think early in the season he was basically running to the ground he looks far too reliant on him yeah. When, they, when they cut to him at the end of the game, he looked in pain. He was grimacing with pain. The play that he reminds me of, the most contemporary um, uh, comparison is Adama Traore. When, mm. when he first burst onto the scene, he could beat players no problem. But his, his end product wasn't great. And now you look at the Adama Traore that's playing for Wolves now and he is he's a fantastic player he's not only has he kept the the the, the footballing skills that, that got him a couple of moves he's now learned when to release the ball instead of trying to be a fifth man and I think if I think if um, St Maxman can get that into his game that, that consistent um, good decision making then he could be a star there was no particular poor decision making in this game for me. No, from him, no. really. He's added goals to his game quite quickly, considering he's in his first season in the league. There was an interesting not to bring this back to Rafa because that seems to be the thing we always talk about. But did you see Luke Edwards from the Telegraph on Twitter over the weekend, basically talking about because we all know Rafa didn't want Jolinton or didn't rate him as anything over 16 million. But apparently, according to Luke Edwards, Rafa also didn't want St. Maximin. I think it's, I'm not saying Steve Bruce is a great manager, but it is, he is the type of manager who will allow the shackles off that type of player, which we might not have necessarily yeah. seen. So I think we are, we're lucky to have him at the moment, whereas in other eras, he might have been shackled a bit too much. He's the yeah, but I think the, the the important thing to think about there is that if 
if Benitez had stayed and all the rest of it, no, he wouldn't have signed St. Maxman. He likely would have wanted somebody in a more similar vein to Perez or Almiron, that, that hard-working and not as many skills and doesn't have the ability to beat a man, but will put in the, the work. And, and, and it's more about the sacrifices they make for the team, which, I mean, it's purely hypothetical. Um, might be more beneficial to the side. I don't know. But I'm glad that St. Max Vamps here. I, I yeah. think he's a fantastic player. He gets play, he gets fans off the seat. And if, if we're being honest, I'd much rather watch I'd much rather watch Steve Bruce's side fighting <laughs> Sheffield United 3-0 than Rafa Benitez's side having a thoroughly professional 1-0 win against them. Uh, 1-0 against Sheffield United. And that, yeah. that's honest. That's, I think we've all recalibrated why we want football having had like a a long gap from it. Because before, I think the churn of the league, you sort of get caught up in, well, it's about results. And if we get points at this point, then we're going to be on a points per game thing of maybe being safe. And then you go without it for so long and you realise you just want to be entertained by it. We're one of the few teams lucky enough to have like a proper entertainer. It's it's easy to forget, particularly if you have supported Newcastle for the last couple of years, that football is supposed to be entertaining. Yeah. There's so much talk about uh, takeovers and like legal firms and rights deals and all of this shit. I'm so bored with it. There's so much talk about that. Uh, with Rafa Benitez, there was so much talk about stats and like, oh, but we're dominating in this particular area and against this team and this team, we're actually overachieving because of this and this and this. Whereas, you know, it's, I know it's only one game, uh, but it was enjoyable to just see us play and entertaining football. There's two wins in a row against 10 men. <laughs> I mean, there's a three-month gap between them, but... Form. Yeah, so... Um, uh, we didn't score until he was sent off, did we? No, no. The Joel Linton chance was yeah. And the irony was that after that opening one-on-one that Joel Linton did in the first half, and the way he handled that, it was it seemed like not a percentage move to take him down and get a red card. <laughs> and then the the much smarter move would be to let him go one-on-one with a keeper and scuff it into the ground because at that stage, that's what you assumed would happen. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what would have happened if the defender hadn't already been on a yellow because really that should have been a straight red because he was the last Mm man. You feel like the ref got himself out of jail a bit. I think think he would have found a way. Yeah, I think you could have argued against a straight red. I think he would have found a way because there were other defenders running back as well. Yeah. And it was so far out. It was sufficiently far out that you could say another defender could have got back, like uh, like and I, says. I wonder if in your head there is a thought that it's Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder if naturally, do you know? This is, not, I think, this is not Michael Owen versus Argentina we're dealing with here. I think to praise Joe Linton, though, because he does deserve it, he had exactly the sort of game we've been told isn't possible for him because he's not that type of striker. Right. He was physically dominant. 
impressive, scored a goal. Did he get an assist as well? No, I don't think so. But he was... But got to play a centre-off. Got to play a centre-off. He was overwhelmingly positive and I'm really glad he got that goal because even I was giving him a bit of stick. Yeah, I think he was very lucky to be coming up against Sheffield United playing a back four for the first time in possibly years. They all looked at sixes and sevens, but he was still yeah. He still got a score. And it's worth mentioning Richie, who was probably the other standout player, certainly from an attacking point of view, who uh, set up St. Maximum for his goal and also scored a goal. Well, you'd have to say the keeper was at fault, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, bad positioning, but probably finished. Like, yeah, mm. it's, it's good yeah. to see him back. Great strike. He looked like he didn't know what to do when he celebrated. It was disappointing <laughs> not to see him attack someone or even the corner flag. Just kung fu kick a steward. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he did well. I saw a few people uh, singling out Isaac Hayden for praise. Personally, I'm too thick to have even noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean, yeah. I think if I was there, I might have noticed him, but it's the sort of performance. When a a midfielder puts in a really good performance in a non-attacking sense, and I watch it on TV, I hardly ever notice it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the, uh, the Who Scored Premier League team of the weekend... The only Newcastle player in it was Matt Ritchie. I think it's generous to call his assist an assist. Well, either that or you, no, it was an not. amazing nutmeg. But it, it was technically an assist, but I think it was a poor ball, really, that he got very lucky with. Sure. I'd, oh, I, I think Don't get me wrong, I'd still kill for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just mean, like, he... Where he put the ball is where you're told to put the ball. It's like between the keeper and the where the defender is. It's low, so that if you know you might get a lucky deflection, they might you, you don't you know it puts it in a dangerous area. So I'm not having you say it was a bad cross. It was a perfect cross, Dave. <laughs> it wasn't a good cross, but it was the worst cross I've ever seen. But I was very right, glad to see him off. score. And in the uh, yeah. Fantasy League, he's classed as a defender. So if you've not got him, get him, because it looks like he's going to be playing quite far forward. I've just completely given up on the Fantasy League. I haven't even looked at it. I just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too pre-pandemic. It's just another world. Speaking of another world, perhaps we should take a break now. <laughs> If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers. 
yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Hello and welcome back. Good break, guys. Very good break. Yes, thanks. Dave's had a costume change in the break and is wearing a lovely Northern Rock Newcastle shirt. Yeah, one of the... Classic. It is a classic. One of our our cursed sponsors. One of the many cursed sponsors. Is that the most recent shirt you've bought? Just thinking like with Wonga and stuff. I think my last one was Virgin Money. I haven't bought myself a shirt in a decade. Um, It's always gifts. People buy them for me. And, yeah, I figured this Fergus was wearing one a few few pods ago, so I thought, practice plan. I'm going through a bit of a midlife crisis because I'm going to be 40 in a month. So I've started exercising. Because I've thought, oh, well, I'm running, so then I'll wear, like, shirts I wouldn't normally wear to run. And I've bought a Newcastle United shirt, a Surrey County Cricket Club shirt, a Miami Heat shirt, a Wu-Tang Clan shirt. (laughs) The Wu-Tang Clan one and the Miami Heat one don't fit me. So they're for, like, you know... When role, I, role play in the bedroom. Yeah. The Wu-Tang Clan one was a big mistake because I, I, I got it because in the picture on the website, it just had a little logo, like where you might have like your Lacoste logo or your Polo logo. It just had a little Wu-Tang thing. And I thought, oh, I'll wear that. That'll just be my little, you know. Your little nod to the clan. My little present to my 17-year-old self, you know. And then when I got it on the back, the logo is absolutely huge. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But um, can you name uh, all nine members of the Wu-Tang Clan, guys? Go. Method Man. I don't think I could name one. ODB. Face Killer. Red Man. Red Man's not in the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Ghostface okay, Killer, you, Dave, definitely. Ghostface Killer, yes. Yeah, so you've got ODB. Oh, Z- Rizé. Rizé. Risotto. Do you mean Rizza? Yes. Rizé. Rizé. We'll have the Rizé, please. Um, <laughs> two spoons. <laughs> no, um, yeah, you've got Rizé, you've got Jizza, you've got Method Man, you've got ODB, the old dirty bastard. You've got Raekwon, the chef. You've got You God, Master Killer, Inspector Deck, and Ghostface Killer. I think I've done it. Yeah. Okay. And of course, you know. Can you name all five gone. members of Steps? Um. Ooh. There's only four, aren't there? We'll start. I don't fucking know. H, yeah. Lee, and the two girls. Claire. Yeah. Claire too. Mm, is there a Hannah? Hannah's S Club. 
Hannah's S Club. You're listening to the Newcastle National. Rachel, guys. it's Rachel from Steps and Claire from Steps. Rachel from Steps isn't Rachel from S Club. Oh, well? maybe it is. Anyway, let's. We've veered wildly off course. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Come on, let's do this. Can you name the members of Five? No. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking of Five, we've got more than five questions <laughs> on. Uh, Twitter, let me go to them. The first one uh, that I want to mention is from uh, Thomas Burkham, long-time listener, long-time contributor. And Thomas says, please talk about anything except the takeover. And I completely understand where you're coming from, Thomas. Yeah. But, I mean, is there anything that we sort of have to say as responsibility? The only thing... The only thing that we that has happened since the last podcast was that the Saudi Football Authority and someone else have uh, have said that they've got a responsibility to crack down on piracy, which up until now they haven't said. And also, um, PIF have bought shares in BT Sport. Well, BT. So I don't know. I'm a lot more confident now. Boring. Yeah, all the journalists in the know seem to be saying they're a lot more confident as well. So it does feel like it's going to happen. I'll tell you what it feels like. It feels like another week in which we've been told we should be hearing something positive and it should be done by the end of the week. And it's another fucking week of that. I've just been... uh, I've had to move rooms, so I don't have access to the social media just now, just climbing over my uh, child's uh, safety step. Uh, this is. Does this happen on Football Weekly? I think so. I'm, walk- I'm walking up to the bedroom. I've been turfed out. Okay, here we go. I love that. That was a little Holmes under the hammer. I'm yeah. You mentioned that the you know the stairs go up to the bedrooms. <laughs> Yeah, I should have woken my child up. This is Louis. Okay, let's go uh, straight to the next. I'm, I'm in situ now and I can crack on professionally with the pod uh, by reading for the first time a tweet by John Tilly, who says, are we overdue an extravagant Shelby card, uh, Shelby red card, not a bad shout, against Grealish tomorrow or keep it in the locker to scythe down De Bruyne? When do you think he'll bring it Back in the mix. I didn't notice Shelby that much in the game. Did you? I think he's, he was his usual self, really. Sort of a lot of 30 or 40 yard passes out to either wing. But I think it's sort of the way we are now. He's not, he's not as influential as he was as a player. We don't seem to be as reliant on him. I'm not sure about That's the red card, but I'd, I'd like to see... It feels like it's been a while since he tried to score from the halfway line. I, I feel one of those coming soon. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll eventually get one, but yeah, he does always have a red card in him. But um, for the last couple of years, he's always had a sort of thing where he's not unnecessarily a regular in the side, but when he is, everything we do is focused around him. And that doesn't so much seem the case anymore, which I think is a good thing. And that's not a dig. To John Joe Shelby. Um, got a tweet from at Thistle Canook 
should we sell Joe Linton before he gets another one-on-one? Um, well, you know, it was we got the good and the bad of, of Joe Linton in that game. Hopefully, hopefully there's more positive to come. I think in the current climate as well, how do teams sell players they don't want? I think it's going to be a lot harder to get rid of dead wood. Sure. And I think if I was uh, Newcastle United, and he does seem to be improving a bit. Yeah. His value, his value, judging on the season as a whole, his value has gone from 40 million to probably about seven. So I can still see him in two years' time playing in Turkey. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, on loan from us because we can't sell. Yeah, sure. He's got Turkish Super League written all over him. But you know, maybe this will be the time. Sholaram, do you see Sholaram Iobi in the um, the Sky Sports coverage? Yeah, always a nice guy, Shola, but looked very, very nervous. was saying you know a lot but he did actually make a good point which was that uh, maybe Joe Linton would be helped by not playing in front of a crowd and uh, that pressure and you know it had got to the stage with Joe Linton where he did anything ever so slightly wrong there'd be groans understandably so Mm. and he was probably aware of that so maybe my my thing would be that if if that was a, a full house, the the pressure that the fans put on him after he fluffed the first one-on-one would have meant he would not have scored later on because he would have just not put himself in the in the spotlight by by charging into the box. I think I think I think you're right. But if he keeps scoring because he's like I say he's got three and three, if he gets another one in the next game or so, then. You know, maybe next season he'll go. He'll end the season on five goals or whatever, and, and be be more confident in going into the the new season. I'm not going to write him off, but no, I do think if you're a professional footballer who doesn't like playing in front of crowds, that is a a career defining problem. That he's very lucky to be playing during a pandemic. That sure. <laughs> criteria. Well, you know, he's a pandemic player. You always yeah. get those. Like, Every squad's got one. Um, okay. Uh, Tones says, how many games would Bruce need to win this season to stay on next season under the prospective owners? I mean, that is such a unknown. Who knows? I would have gone. Dave, what do you think? All of them. All of them. Yeah, you can't really... You'd have to do something spectacular, wouldn't you? Because you, you'd imagine that whoever's coming in has got big ideas and those wouldn't include Steve Bruce. Although I, I Phil Neville and Danny Murphy are very keen that he stays yeah. on from watching Match of the Day too. But Dave, they did make a very good point, a very good point, which is points per game... Steve Bruce is now doing better for Newcastle United than Rafa Benitez and is therefore a better manager. Correct, Paul? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No, well, I don't think he's a better manager than Benitez, 
But I do think, personally, when it comes down to what he'd have to do to stay on next season, I think finishing the top 10 and get to the final of the FA Cup, it's more about, like, our season's more about the Cup now for me. We're safe. I'd agree with that. Almost, probably mathematically safe. If we can get a Cup win, I think they might, I mean, who knows what any new owners would do, but you would sort of think there'd be no reason to panic. You would think this guy is clearly a safe pair of hands and he's not going to be in charge of signing. So we might as well start building the infrastructure we want and wait until it turns to shit to get rid of him. Maybe. Like, I, I see your point. You know what? Go on. But I, I see your point, but I would, I would expect that if, you know, if the takeover goes through, then... Uh, I don't think they're going to want to wait a season mm. to 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 put their man in and to to have this safe pair of hands when they could go and get one of the the, the top tier managers. You know, if if they are who we think they are, if they, if they, they could go off and get a Pochettino, and why would you waste the season with somebody like? I'm not having a go at Steve Bruce here. You could say the same for like if Crystal Palace suddenly were bought out by massive wealthy people they'd get rid of Roy Hodgson because Steve Bruce Roy Hodgson all these managers can only get you so far where the top tier managers if they're available like Pochettino is now just go and get them there's no no point but maybe you never know but maybe the top tier managers might also want to wait a little bit just to see how it goes before yeah that's fair yeah who knows? Uh, Bedford Mag says, after the shitstorm I caused last time, I'll keep out of it. That was a reference to uh, my self-righteous rant that he called. Uh, I've managed to avoid one this week, so I'll try and keep it that way. But thank you, Bedford Mag. Tones says, and this is a good question, which player had the best lockdown haircut? I'll tell you what sprung to mind for me was... I was I thought that Steve Bruce's haircut looked suspiciously professional. (laughs) Now, I don't know, you know, because there was a lot of players who'd obviously got hold of a pair of clippers and done something. Uh, John Cho Shelby's was good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I thought that, yeah, Paul, you um, you pointed out uh, Matt Ritchie. Matt Ritchie... I didn't like Matt Richards. It made him look far too wholesome. He looked like a sort of innocent white picket fence American child, like their mm. version of Dennis the Menace. Whereas you, you want Matt Ritchie to look, I mean, that it could be a reverse Samson situation, like his long hair is the reason why he didn't have an angry goal celebration. That may well be the case. But, uh, I think we have to mention uh, Andy Carroll's. Oh, God, uh, yes. Mutton chops. There's no reason why lockdown should cause Andy Carroll to do that to his face, but I respect the man for doing so. He hasn't scored. I for think two. he wears it well. You think he wears it well? Would you, yeah. Dave, out of the three of us, I think you're the man most capable of doing the same thing. Yeah. If I could get away with it, if I was single, I think, yeah. I'd go, yeah, just to take it off, this, this bit. 
Yeah, you're pretty much there. You only have to do a bit of removal to get that haircut. It's the man bun I worry about for you, Dave. That's going to be tricky. Yeah, that's definitely not going to be in your wheelhouse. For those of you who've never actually seen any of us and have only ever had us in your ears, you should know that um, Dave is as bold as a man can be. And uh, I am uh, very attractive. So, <laughs> <laughs> let's um, move on to the next question, unless there are any other entries for best lockdown haircut. Yedlin. Yedlin? I don't really remember yeah. this. It was huge. It was, it was basically like if he pulled it back on an Alice band or something, but yeah. then just this huge, huge hairdo behind it. It was fantastic. I think that uh, this pandemic may cause a return of the Afro. I mean, it has caused a turn of it, but it, a return of it, but it may well in fashion terms. There have been a yeah. few players like uh, Ashley Young, for example, who a lot of people probably would have assumed, I know I did, shaved his head because he didn't have hair anymore. But in fact, you know, we saw the pictures and it turns out. He just I think an, honor- an honourable hair mention has to go out to Fabian Cher as well. You had just very light, fluffy hair and on what is already a very sexy man. <laughs> but have, another look at, boy. have another look at Steve Bruce's haircut. <laughs> and if anyone knows anything about the Bruce family... I like to imagine that as a proper like flock of seagulls, <laughs> stylish cut. It's just your standard barber's haircut. But it's... it's but it just looks professional. It looks It'll like, be his wife oh, with the scissors. The, I think the I'm problem sure is, is his haircut has never looked professional before. So the disparity between pre and post lockdown haircuts for him is zero. It's looked professional. It's just, it's not looked exceptional. It's just looked like a, I guess what I'm doing in a roundabout way is complimenting Steve Bruce's wife on her, uh, Scissors skills. Moving on, Tony Armstrong. If takeover happens, do you want a huge spend over two seasons, clearing out all the current players, or slow, steady growth over, say, five years? Paul, do you have any opinions on that? I don't feel like there's any need for a complete clear out. I think that would probably be counterproductive. I feel like we've got a good spine in some areas i wouldn't change dubravka i think we've got enough very good center backs fullbacks center mid another winger and a decent striker or two would be it but i don't i don't think it ever goes well when you buy in a load of players remembering man city when they got taken over and it was just or even chelsea it was sort of 50% of them were decent 50% of them were just bad buys. I mean, you are naming two clubs for whom it did end up going phenomenally well. It ended up, but only, I think, when they slowed down the rate of trying to change everyone. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm keen on the slow and steady wins the race argument. There are some players in our side. If, you know, last season, for the last couple of years, 
Perez has got a lot of stick, but he's ended up being, turns out, a top four player. You know, in the past we had uh, Wijnaldum or Sissoko, and I think we've got similar players now who could, you know, we, we've, we're not a particularly good side, but we do have players who could play for top four sides in our midst. Yeah. And we have to yeah. keep on to them. Like, uh, for example, the aforementioned uh, St. Maximin. And yes, maybe Dubravka, maybe Cher, maybe uh, possibly the Longstaff's on potential. But I think as well, there's that... Probably Almiron, yeah. Almiron, yeah. yeah. There's that temptation to just sign the sort of, the more expensive, extravagant players. Whereas you look at our most solid players, look at someone like Fernandez. that's the sort of player you wouldn't sign, but actually you want players like that for a bit of continuity. He's possibly our best yeah, defender like, at the minute. I think like you said, Paul, you, there are some key positions where you could make sweeping changes without dramatically impacting the, the spine of the side. Like the, the both full-back positions, we definitely need improvements on mm. if we're to become a top 10 side. Um, Centre mid, I think John Joe Shelby is, you know, he, he is one of our best players at the minute. But I don't think that makes him a very good player. I think there are better centre midfielders out there who would do more for the club than, than John Joe Shelby. And up front, obviously, if we could go off and sign a, a 15 goal season striker, we are much, much better. I'd like to see us. I wouldn't be that keen. Well, I'm sure I'd get excited in the moment that it happened. But I wouldn't be that keen on us making signings like. Rabino when he went to Man City or Patrick Cliver when he came to us, players who are like obviously past their best or at least certainly past their like interest in trying a little hard. Yeah, I think it would be even worse for us now because we've got comparatively quite a low wage bill. And if we bring in one or two really high earners, it just you never get decent morale at a club where there's a high disparity between like the top and lower earners. That's I think it, point, it could it? easily destroy rather than strengthen. In an ideal world, the, the, um, the, the tactic for, for City signing um, Rubinho was to kind of like announce themselves on that upper tier. Like, look who we can go and sign now. I think that it's possible to sign a player that announces you on the, the stage without him being a fading star or, or like a, a flash in the pan. Like you could, if you could go off and sign like a highly rated youngster, like in the mold of, but obviously not Erling Haaland, like somebody who everybody's interested in. If you can go off and sign um, like Sandro Tonali or someone like that, then you, you are kind of saying we've got ambitions above us, uh, above where we are now. Sure, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you said it, but Erling Haaland is so far ahead of anything. It did occur yeah, to me yeah, yeah. over the weekend, though, if this takeover happens, it's, and this is more about their decline as well as us, it's only going to be a season or two before we're bigger than Arsenal, which would feel quite significant. And. Um, if we were professional enough to do it, and I, I can imagine that could be the sort of phrase yeah. that flips and you could be made a fool of. 
Oh, but um, well, I'm going to get it tattooed on my chest that we will be bigger than Arsenal. Do it. Uh, yeah, you never know. It could go in a lot of directions, uh, but exciting times in a way. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tony Armstrong also says, if takeover happens, who would be your choice as manager and how quickly would you want him in? Well, we sort of discussed that. I mean, I would say for me, right? Yeah, Pochettino for me. If it was Rafa, I'm not sure I'd want him in. It's the sort seeing sort of Saint Maximin has made me think twice about wanting Rafa in straight away. But I do think Rafa knows the club and would he'd probably be a better person to build the club on a surer footing going forward. But Pochettino is available now, and if we had a chance of getting him, that would be a no-brainer. Yeah, I'd be excited with that, wouldn't you, Dave? Definitely. I think also like Nagelsmann, who's um, who's doing well in Germany. Uh, but the only thing I could say is like if you could convince Rafa Benitez to leave all that money and influence in China to be kind of like a director of football. Then I think that's that's a no-brainer because then you get all the benefit of his like legacy building, his dynasty building, um, without the pragmatic football that is not great on the eye. I don't think he'd give up management though for any. No, I agree. But if you could, you know, that's that's what I would do. Uh, Tony Armstrong also says, "Not complaining, but why are you going doing so many podcasts all of a sudden?" Even before lockdown, you weren't doing as many. Sorry, Tony. I mean, you say you're not complaining, but it sounds like you are. Um, I guess we're doing so many because we don't have to travel travel anywhere to do them, and because this is our only chance to talk to people outside of our own households. (laughs) Yeah, we all have young children, and this is our escape. So we might we're going to start doing two a day (laughs) from next week. It's something that we sort of describe to our partners as work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ridley Jacobs says, how could Sky make the crowd noise effect more accurately depict the real St. James's experience? Uh, He's got a couple of suggestions. He says, Mm -hmm. how's a derision when a defender dared to pass the ball to the keeper and sensibly retain possession? recreate the sound of the bell end in the Gallagate who always does a fake halftime half whistle on 44 minutes and also shoot sound when the late Czech Teote is within 40 yards from goal. All good Celeste suggestions, uh, most of which were obviously digs at fans that have been annoying you for years. I mean, the, the fake whistle guy is an annoyance, but I was sort of hoping there would be a virtual version of it for the game. Mm. It felt like a missed I thought, opportunity. I think I thought it genuinely there was more singing than there has been at St James's Park. For years. Possibly, yeah. Uh, it's the away game, so we'll notice it more because our away support has been very good. That's right. When our in our away games, we're going to hear the opposing teams' fans. Where actually. Whereas actually, in all of our away games, you always hear the Newcastle fans way more. That would be 
my suggestion to make it more realistic my suggestion would just be a lot more sort of groans <laughs> um okay a lot more like completely in- incongruous songs about sunderland i mean that tends sure. to be our repertoire which yeah that shouldn't be but when roy Keane is uh punditing on our match Next, I would very much like them to press the button, which is uh, he wanks his dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to hear that song. I don't think anything is required to make Roy Keane angrier, having seen him doing the punditry for Man News game the other day. It's so entertaining, and he sort of knows what doesn't he? I love watching Roy Keane videos. I think I've, I've heard a lot of people moaning about him. I'm just like, this this is more entertaining than a lot of the football we had over the first week back. I think he's an incredibly charismatic man, Roy Keane. Mm. He's so intense. I mean... I wouldn't want to go on a mini-break with him. Oh, sure, yeah. But Cantona always got the plaudits for being the charismatic Manu player of the 90s. I think Roy Keane, in that sense, underrated. I think he could be a phenomenal actor. Okay, so it looks like I'm going to be ending the pod on praising Roy Keane's acting potential. (laughs) (laughs) We are playing a game. We want to talk about Villa at all. Yes, we are playing a game. Uh, tomorrow night as we record it's at 6pm which is just about the most awkward time a game could be starting for my family life um, so I'm concerned that I won't Same. be live uh, yeah but it's um, it's a way at Villa for all that matters perhaps it does matter a little bit no it's not it's home or oh, is it home again no, I'm sorry yeah. three home games in a row Right, okay. Well, in that case, and they're still not a... Right, just give me your predictions. Yeah, go on. Paul? I'd love to beat Villa. I'd love to be part of sending them down. And their defence looks, at best, leaky. I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be a 3-1. be amazing. Dave? I also think we're going to win. Uh, I don't think we'll score that many. I think it'll be 2-1. I mean, three goals, two games in a row would be incredible. Uh, I'm going to go for 2-0 to us. And the fact that we've all three of us predicted three points means that I need to apologise in in advance for the underwhelming 1-0 loss that you're going to witness tomorrow night. But... um, Thank you very much uh, for listening. Apologies for the sound quality. We hope we made up for it. In... We do have a big game at the weekend as well, obviously. Oh, fucking hell, Paul. All right. We've got three minutes left on this Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have an FA Cup quarterfinal for the first time in a long time. All right. Give, us me, give, give me your prediction and sum up everything in three minutes and eight <laughs> seconds. Okay. Well, Man City played yesterday quite a heavily rotated team against Burnley, which made me think, well, they might look weakened, and then they battered them. So I, I worry about whichever Man City lineup we get put up against is going to be dangerous. I think we'll probably lose, 
but I would take one all with 10 minutes to go. Uh, okay, Dave, any thoughts? Two Come minutes. We'll lose 3 0. You think we'll lose? Don't three need minutes? it. Don't need yeah. it. Comfortable loss 3 0. Yeah, I think it will be a comfortable loss. Mm. Seems like pan, uh, pandemic football uh, is suited to Man City because there are a lot less extra factors to take into account. It is just who are the best 11 players and against virtually anyone, that is Man City. So, yeah, I don't hold that much hope, but it could, you never know, it could be incredible. Wouldn't that be a fantastic uh, thing to happen? All right, thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus, bye. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you, bye. And thank you to you, the Newcastle Nighter listener. Less than a minute to go. Bye-bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.